I tell you, I enjoyed that singing this morning. Enjoyed being able to sit and listen to some folks that testify how good God had been to them. Remind you of how good God has been to you, say amen. And he has been awful good to us, hasn't he? Uh, we live in the best country in the world. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, <clears throat> it's not what she ought to be, but still the best in this world. Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. And I'm like everybody else, sinus trouble. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter number 11, let's start reading if you will, uh, in verse number 23. As we stand for the reading of God's word, the Bible said, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not, notice this, afraid of the king's commandments. Now listen, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's a big statement, isn't it? Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Brother Richard Good, do the honor. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. I want to tell you the thought I had on my heart tonight. Men and women of the Bible, that could be me and you. Uh, I want to start off tonight by saying thank God for all the men in this congregation here tonight. I'm not able to tell you how much you mean to me. Brother Hired back there, especially all these years, been such a good mentor to me, and I appreciate him for what he stood for all of these years. But all you men that's in this building tonight, for different reasons, my grandson-in-law's back there. Uh, I'm honored to call you part of my family. Uh, Beardy back there has been a special friend for a lot of years to me. Uh, Richard Robinson, I've known him for many years now. Some uh, a lot longer, some a lot shorter. But every man in this building tonight has a special place in my heart. And I appreciate you for the work you've done for God and for this ministry. I appreciate what you stand for tonight. And you continue standing for it, I pray. But I thought about as I read about Moses, how that God used him in a mighty way. Now you probably wouldn't have thought of it when he was a child and they had to hide him and how his life transpired, how he was raised in the king's house and then chose to go back to his own people. I thought about that. I thought about how in faith Moses 
went right back to his roots. The Bible said, Drain up the child and away it shall go. When it's old, it shall not depart. So we're given that example here that he went right back to his roots. Now, now think about what he has done. He chose to stand up for his people. Yes, he is a murderer. He killed that man. But I wanted you to get this ground rules for him simply because God can forgive you and still use you. We sometimes want to put a limit on what God can do. There ain't nothing God can't do if he chose to do it. There's some things that God don't do because he set rules to it. Amen. Have you ever seen a sinner God couldn't love? Hello. Have you ever seen anybody that God really wanted to go to hell? No. So there is some things that God said against himself that he will not do. But we see that Moses here, he was raised as a child in the king's house. He comes back to his own people. And by faith, he had to do that. Uh, You know, my daddy always told me this way. He said, son, you can't get away from your raising. Anybody ever heard that? I mean, taters and maters and cornbread and beans. You just can't get away from that. It's instilled in you. Seems like it's in your DNA. And Moses here was proving that, that he was one of God's people. His parents saw, even at his birth, that he was different. Can I say this to everybody in this building tonight? You are a different individual than anybody else on this earth. Now they tell me that you've got to look alike and maybe three or four around the world. I don't think there's that much beauty in the world, three or four to look like me. But think about this. Even if they look like you, they're still not going to act like you. They don't have your DNA. They don't have your raising. Amen. I, I guarantee you most of them, if they look like me, wasn't raised in the backer patch. Amen. I, I, they didn't have to go to the spring box. They didn't have to milk cows more than likely. But think about how unique you are as an individual of God. Now I know that our minds want to run to Daniel in the lion's den and, and these great feats that were done in the Bible and that's good. But you know God used some ordinary people to do a lot of things. I thought about David as he was just a shepherd's boy. Out of all of his house he was a license to be looked at. Now think about that. You ever felt like you was lashed in the crowd? Sure you have. But you know, even if you are lashed in the crowd, you can still be used of God. I thought about Daniel in the lion's den. How that he held true. Now stay with me. I'm trying to lay some groundwork. He held true to what he was, who he was. Are you with me? Even though they changed his name. Even though they changed his position. He held true. He wouldn't eat the king's portion, would he? And the eunuch, head eunuch said, wait a minute now. If I take you before the king and you ain't looking good, it's going to be my head. They're going to kill me because I ain't took care of you. Daniel said, let me just hold true to mine. And let's see what God will do. 
Now think about what he did. He said, my God can deliver. Amen. Even if it's in the physical body. Sometimes we want to say, get so spiritual, we forget God deals also with this physical body that we are in. If it wasn't so, what happened to the little woman that just touched the hem of the garment? She got physically healed. Amen. Simply because she had the faith that if I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. And she was. But I thought about as Daniel held true. (laughs) Stay with me. I'm trying to get there. How many would change your ways? And they said it this morning, Ray did, about his brother playing the piano. Said he hadn't changed since I've known him. How many of us, if we were put in Daniel's position in the king's house with the king's fineries and all the good eats, would change our biblical standards? See, that's a portion we didn't understand there. It wasn't that it was wrong to eat the king's meat. It was wrong for Daniel. Because he was given these instructions... Do you know tonight you do have some instructions in the book that we must live by? There's some things we can do and there's some things we can't do. And a lot of folks don't understand that. I'll never forget one time the Lord had me fasting. And I was working construction. And where I was working at that time, the lady was feeding us in her house. And her son was a friend of mine. And I said, no, I'm not going to eat today. I got something I need to go do. And I went to the truck and prayed while they were eating. And and he come out to the truck and he said, why ain't you eating? said, mama's got it ready. It's all on the table. said, there's plenty of it. I said, son, I know there's plenty of it. I know your mother. I know the table she's going to spread. But I couldn't just say, hey, I'm fasting. I had to just say, I have some things I have to do today. He couldn't understand not eating. I, I blowed his mind. Hey, you're not going to eat nothing? I never did say I was fasting. I, I wasn't sure he'd even understand what I was talking about. But he was a grown man. And I said, no, not today I can't. And I thought, Lord, how many really know the voice of God to the point where they won't eat? Where they won't drink. Are you with me? Say amen. When God says so. And how many around us understands when God's voice says do this. It's appropriate to do it at that time. Not put it off till later. Oh I will. <laughs> how many's ever been put in this situation? Lord to say fasting. Biggest meal you ever seen be set before you. It'd be a chocolate cake that big around, wouldn't it? Coconut sprinkles over top of it. Yeah. See, Satan wants to tempt us, church. He wants to lure us away from the things of God. And I thought about down through the years. Uh, let's turn back, if you will, in Genesis. I want to read some in the Old Testament. In Genesis tonight, chapter number 14, and we'll have several more scriptures through the Old Testament, so stay with me. Genesis chapter 14 and verse number 5. In the 14th year came Sidoralamir, 
and the kings that were with him and smote Rapham and Ashtar and Kemnar and Zuma and Ham and Emmas and Shavas and Hortha, the Hortites in their Mount Seir and Ephraim, which is by the wilderness. Are you with me? Say amen. Now we know in Genesis that Joseph was sold into slavery. Now I'm still trying to get us to understand some things are for your good, but it don't seem real good at that time. We heard this morning of the brother in his trouble with his kidney and how his son-in-law delivered that kidney. I was listening just this week to some things that some of our founding fathers have done over the years that God bless, and and I want to get this right. Hershey candy bars that you still love and eat today. In the latter years of Mr. Hershey's life, he wanted to give his fortune away. So he began to give it to organizations, children's homes, and different things. He had a $20 million plantation of sugar in Cuba. Well, you know, and I know, That sugar is one of the biggest elements in Hershey candy bars. And that's the reason he owned that plantation. Something like 20,000 acres he owned. But he said, I'm going to sell it. And every great mind in this country said, You're crazy to sell the basis of your fortune." Said, what if they quit sending sugar to you or selling it to you? Said, you'd be right. He said, no, I'm going to sell it. He sold it for $20 million. And he gave the money away to organizations to do good. But see, the economist said, that's a stupid move. That's, that's stupid for you to sell the basis of your fortune you may destroy yourself. Now listen to what I'm fixing to say. See, he was listening to God. He was following God. By giving his fortune away, he was doing what he intended to do was give God the glory for all that he had ever done. In two weeks, Castro took over Cuba. He would have lost the land completely. He would have lost that $20 million. So even though he sold it and gave the money away, the money went to a benefit to help others instead of just losing $20 million. I said that to say this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't have to give up $20 million. They just had to stay faithful. Daniel just had to stay faithful. David, he was no of statute of any shape, form, or fashion. He was a little bitty fella. 
But it's not your size, it's the God in you. And how we're listening. I'm trying to get to the point that we understand God can use us in a mighty way if we totally sell out to God. I, I thought about as I heard that story about Mr. Hershey. How would you feel? Now listen to me. I'll tell you why I'm fixing to say what I'm saying. When the market crashed several years back, you remember, what, about uh, 20 years ago or so? Wasn't quite that long, was it? The bottom just fell out of the market all of a sudden. A gentleman that I was working for at that time, me and my son was doing custom work, I guess you would call it. We was painting and cabinets and flooring and whatever, setting mobile homes. And this guy was rich. He was filthy rich. He had a lot of rental houses, and we were doing all of his rental houses, painting them inside and out, laying linoleum, moving furniture. Whatever he needed done, he called us to do it. When the market crashed, that man lost $1 million overnight. You know what he did the next night? Shot and killed himself. Simply because he lost a million dollars, now listen to me, on paper. A million dollars he had never held in his hand. A million dollars he had never counted with his hands. But it was written on paper because his stock had went up. He had gained several million dollars. And because he lost one of those millions, I'm talking about a young man, not an old man. This guy was in his 40s, put a gun to his head and blowed his brains out. Wasn't married, didn't have no children. His mother was still alive. And I thought, why would you, over something you never had in your hands, do that? Then I got to thinking, what would I do? Well, first of all, I'd like to know how it felt to even have a million on paper. Right? I, I'd like one time to know that, hey, you got a million dollars. So I don't guess I'll ever get to that feeling. But I said all of that to say this. What is the church sold out for? Light shows? Purple hair? Standing on their head gargling BBs? Doing everything under God's green earth but preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're, they're doing everything, but worship is not worship. When you go to a worship center, most of the time, it's who can outdo who. There ain't a whole lot of worship in it. And, and I thought, God, great men of our Bible, great women of our Bible, by the way. Now, let me just nail that down pretty good right there. We live in a society right now that says women shouldn't do this, women shouldn't do that. Yes, women has limitations. Woman's not the worship authority over man. That's the word of God. Take it up with God. Don't take it up with me. He said it, I didn't. There is things that you and I can do and there's things that we can't do and there's things a woman can do and there's things a woman can't do. But knowing your limitations... David, when he was faced with a giant, he didn't rely on himself. He didn't 
rely on his weapon. He relied on the God that had already delivered him. Now look around you tonight and look at yourself. How many of us have been delivered from death by the hand of God? If it wasn't God's hand, we'd been dead. You can't explain it no other way. Medicine can't explain it. Doctors can't explain it. Nobody. Hey, when Dr. McBee looked at me and said, Hey, I'm waiting to see if he's going to bleed to death. That's what I told my daddy. Daddy said, Well, bandage him up and send him to Asheville if you can't do nothing for him. Why would you stand there and watch a young man bleed out? Blood squirting plum across the room. But I thought, how many of us know our limitations and give God the credit for his greatness? David said, I ain't coming to you in my name. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Said he delivered me from the bear. He delivered me from the lion. He'll deliver me from you. And he kept saying, he will, he will, he will. Not I will, I will, I will. He kept giving God the glory and the praise. He's just a little bitty feller. I thought about Ruth and Naomi. One of the great women of the Bible. Why they were down there in the first place. This will help somebody if you'll let it. They left the house of bread. Went to a place that ended up just as bad. Now stay with me. But if you think about it this way, Brother Chris. If God has done it, he can do it again. If he named a place a house of bread... Sometime or another, they're going to be bred there. So why didn't they just stay where they were at and wait on God to bring the bread? What did it cost her? Cost her her husband? Two sons. Where did she end back up at? Right where she started. But she ended up with less than what she started with. She did gain a daughter-in-law that stayed with her. And that daughter-in-law ended up being a great blessing to her. But was it worth the cost? We've been praying and praying earnestly for folks that once sat in the house of God. Isn't that a great example, Ruth and Naomi, and this story of people that were once in the house of God, got out of God's will, went down (laughs) to the wash pot, Went down to Lodibar and God wasn't there. How many do we know tonight that what said in the church had to fire the Holy Ghost in them and on them and they're not in the house of God now? They're in Lodibar. They're in the wash pot. They're going to come out on the short end of it. So if we have Ruth and Naomi, we have David, if we have Daniel in the lion's den, if we have Moses, uh, which was a murderer, as an example for you and I to follow in the book, 
and many others in this book. Page after page after page tells of different names. I thought about an old boy at Bill the Gallows. Amen. I'm going to get rid of these bunch of Jews. Guess what happened to him? He swung from his own gallows. Now think about this. Everyone that stands against God is going to be swinging from their own gallows. I just wonder tonight, we have a great example in the Bible. He said, almost thou persuadest me. Wonder what he's saying in hell tonight. And can see the splendor of heaven. I almost made it. I almost made it. I almost became a Christian. I had opportunity. I had the desire. But I almost made it. What a great example in the Bible. I want to say this to the world and to those that are fighting against God. You're going to hang on your own gallows. You're going to wake up in hell saying, Almost. Almost that crazy preacher persuaded me. To be a Christian. Almost got in. I almost got right. I almost got saved. Now let let me stop right there just a second. I believe there's a whole lot of folk out there. That almost got saved. And left the house of God lost. I believe there's a crowd out there. That think they got saved. Hello. And they put on an act for a little while. And their true colors come out. Hey, I'm not going to argue with you where they saved, where they lost. They're not living right. If you ain't living right, you can't die right. Because if the tree falls, so shall it lie. So it, let's not argue, oh, he got saved when he's five. He ain't lived a day for God since then. So that tells me he never got saved. But I don't believe you can get saved and turn your back in five minutes. God will beat you to death. By the way, why would you want to turn away from the best thing that ever happened to you in your life? Why would you want to turn away from something that brought you peace of mind? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why would you want to turn away from something that promised you eternal life? Why would you want to turn away from a place called heaven? But we see it happen. You say, preacher, tell me some more. Well, let's go to the flip side just for a moment. What about Judas? I know, you know. And the first thing the devil say, oh, he was the son of perdition. God knew what he was going to do. Yeah. But he also had a span that he could have repented. He could have repented. He had, listen to me, he had the emotions to repent. He went through the motions of repentance, but his mouth never ever cried out to it. How many we know tonight it's just going through motions? 
I mean, Judas is a good example in the Bible of somebody that walked with God, slept with him, saw the miracles, ate the same fish and the same bread. Hello, sat at the same table. I'm going to help somebody hurt you tonight one. How many of us have made this statement, if I could just get a little closer? That's all well and good in our spiritual mind. But Judas was close enough that he was sopping with him. You know what sopping, everybody know what sopping is? Take a piece of bread and reach in and get whatever you're eating. You're bumping knuckles because everybody, you got family, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody's after that same chicken leg. Yeah. So you know he touched the Lord. He sat with the Lord. He ate with the Lord. He, he done everything for three and a half years that could be done. Now think of that. How much closer to God could you get? But look what he did. He realized it, but he never repented. He gave back the money. Yes, he did. That's not repentance. Because he said, confess with your mouth. And that confession is made unto salvation. Daniel said, I'm going to stick with the things that God has told me to do. And if I don't look as good as you think I ought to look. And the Bible said he looked better than those that ate the king's meat. See, God not only gives you just enough, he gives you more than enough. You might be on bread and water in a dungeon. <laughs> But you'll come out singing, <laughs> shouting and praising. You may be thrown in the lion's den, but he'll make a pillar out of it. And guess who didn't sleep that night? The one that wrote the stupid decree. Can I help some of us tonight? I want to say this with love and concern and compassion. We've all said stupid things. Well, I wasn't going that far, brother, but since you went there, I pray for you every day of my life. And I want to say this, the rest of you ain't far behind him. I pray for my people. Why? We all make stupid mistakes. We all say stupid things, and we all do stupid things. My daddy would say, son, did you not know better? Dolly Parton's uncle sung a song when I was over there. <laughs> About a fat woman that he was dating and she fell off the back of the truck and the bus hit her. We're talking about a woman that only the back of the truck could haul. He jumps off in this song and he runs to the bus driver and said, didn't you see her? He said, I hit her, didn't I? So big that when she laid on the beach, five people was in the shade. You say, preacher, what's that got to do with the message tonight? Well, her name was Boney Maroney. You might be called Boney Maroney. You might be called a Christian, but are you? I mean, if somebody's going to sing a song about Boney Maroney, I'd want to see a skinny person, wouldn't you? 
But the song he was singing was about a woman so big he had to carry her in the back of a truck. When she laid on the beach, three or four people was in the shade. That's a pretty good-sized woman. Are you a Christian? Now, stay with me. You said, yeah, right quick. Are you a Christian when you're in the lion's den? Are you a Christian when you're facing the fire? Are you a Christian when you're floating on reeds in the river? Are you a Christian when you get grown and you realize, I'm not one of them? I'm glad the 8th day of February 1987, I decided I didn't want to be one of them no more. I knew that God had His Son to die for me, that I didn't have to be one of them. I'm glad I didn't have to kill nobody to find that out. I'm glad I didn't have to be put in a lion's den to find that out. I'm glad I didn't have to face the fire to find that out. Stay with me now. Don't let me lose you. I'm glad I didn't go down to Lodibar before I realized I needed to be back at Bethel. Hello? We're preaching tonight to this congregation here, but those that's by the airway tonight, there's some out there that needs to get back out of Lodibar back to the house of God. There's some sitting in the house of God that needs to get with God. They sit there every week, but they've never had a one-on-one experience with God. And if they're not careful, they'll have to go to the Lodi Bar before they figure it out. They'll have to go in the lion's den before they figure it out. They'll have to face the fire before they figure it out. Are you with me? Say amen. I just hope and pray you don't turn out to be a Judas. Realize it and do nothing about it. Now, one more man I want to mention What about the rich man? The way I understand that story is he was rich, he was wealthy, he had a lot of things. Well, if he's rich and he's wealthy and he had a lot of things, that means he had a lot of opportunity. But he never chose the right opportunity for himself. Have you ever noticed when people are firing sumptuously, That's what it said about him, wasn't it? They don't really walk close to God. It seems like the more that God blesses, and look at America right now, folks. The more God blesses America, it seems like the further America gets away from God. I mean, we produce more food and could produce twice what we are producing. And we get further and further away from God. We have churches on every corner and none of them full. We have opportunity upon opportunity to get right with God and know we should. One thing about that story of that rich man and that poor beggar man. He knew that beggar was there. Stay with me. He knew that beggar's name. Because when he needed help, who'd he call on? 
called him by name. Sure did. Let, you, let that old nasty beggar man that was at the end of my table that the dogs had to lick his swords, let that nasty filthy thing that just wanted the crumbs that fell on the floor from my table, let him, called him by name, let him dip his finger. You know what it'd be hell tonight? For you to be in hell and see that you could have. See that you should have. Now, how many of us, boy, I wish I could remember that old boy's name. He was in a gang. When I got saved in 1987, I read his story, but I can't remember his name tonight for some reason. He was in a gang. He got saved. He goes back to the same gang that he was in and preaches Jesus Christ to them. And they jumped up with their switchblades and said, we're going to cut you into a thousand pieces. We don't like preaching and we don't like preachers. That old boy never backed up one inch. He said, go ahead, cut me in a thousand pieces and every piece that hits the floor, he'll cry out, Jesus loves you. And that gang dropped their knives and got right with God. Why? Because somebody took a stand. Somebody took a stand. Do you know what you're standing on tonight? I'm made to believe that a lot of folks don't know the God of this Bible. That sat in the house of God and got their name on the roll at that church. Because the first little storm that comes into their life, they run. They hide. Instead of running to church, they run from church. When you're in trouble, you ought to run to church. That's where your family, that's where your help, that's where your strength is. But Satan will have us run from church. And oh, by the way, if God don't fix it the first time you run to the church, you don't go back to church. If God don't answer the first time you cry in the altar and instantly and miraculously and miracle-like, just do it right then. We just believe God ain't going to do it. And they said, you've been saying for thousands of years, he's coming. One day there was a star in the east. You said he'd been coming, he's been coming, his kings are coming. One day there was a star in the east. And it wasn't a great king on a great horse with a great army. It was a little baby in a manger. The most unlikely. I preached the message years ago at Pepper's Creek. Some of the best food for a Christian came in a manger. You ever thought of that? That's where horses eat and cattle eat and goats eat. But the best food that ever come, you say, preacher, why are you calling him food? Well, he said, take this is my body, eat it. Yeah. Laying in a manger. One of the least likeliest places you would ever look for a king would have been in a stable in a manger. One of the least likeliest places that you would have ever looked for help would have been in a manger. 
one of the least likeliest places that you would ever say that child amount to anything. <laughs> well, they said men hired would never amount to nothing either. I won't tell you, put me on the scales, I've amounted to a lot. Physically. But how much have we advanced spiritually? I may be fatter than a hog in this flesh, but how fat am I spiritually? When I pass away and they lay me in the grave, are there going to be any tales told like David and Daniel and Ruth and Naomi? Is anybody going to tell a tale about Dennis or tell a tale about you? This old boy stood and endured to the end. Can they look over your casket and say, he was faithful to the end? How many of us tonight know somebody that's given up a few days too early? Most everybody in here, that's the reason we have those names called out. But God will hear us crying out for those that we love. Ruth and Naomi had a hard life. They went back to her kinfolk and was gleaning in the fields. Does everybody know what gleaning is? Picking up the leftovers. And the king said, drop some on purpose. Now listen, church, you think God ain't dropped some on purpose for you and I tonight? God wants to use every person in this building, no matter your ability, no matter your inability, God can use every soul that sits in the house of God that he has ever created one way or another. He can use you mightily in the kingdom of God. David was the least of his brethren. Ruth and Naomi was just two women. Many others I could quote tonight and preach another hour or two through the Bible that should get us to realize God can use us if we're available to be used. Brother Hard, sometimes we don't make ourselves available. How many's ever said this? God, I'll do whatever it takes. Anybody me ever said that? Say amen. How many when God said something, you said, How about tomorrow, God? I'll shout next service. I'll run next service. I'll praise you next service. I'm just tired today, Lord. Just let me slide today. Brother said it this morning may be our last day. We better praise him while we can. But I'm told that there ain't much honor in the grave. And there sure ain't no praise there. Because them lips has fell silent. What about us tonight? Do you know that you are one of God's favorite people? Because he sent his son to die for you. As an individual. He knows your ability. He knows your inability. And he's chosen to use you tonight. What has he chose me for? Well first of all he wants you to be born again. So your light will shine. Uncle A told me this and I'll close. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never chewed tobacco. I've never tasted alcohol. 
Brother Hardy said, Dennis, I can't really relate to them that have done that because I never have. I don't know the hope. I don't know the addiction. He said, but son, you've been there. You know what it is and how you overcame it and how God delivered you. He said, let that light shine. Because I was praying, Lord, let me be like Paul. I want to start a revival or a right one, Lord. Right? And he was trying to get me just to be Dennis. Because the Bible said you're wonderfully made. You're a unique individual. And God wants to use us all that all of our lights will glow together. We shine a light that will lead to the foot of the cross because we stand in agreement together. We've read the book. We know that no matter what you've done, God can forgive you and will. We know what we do after we've been saved, are you listening? Means just as much as what we've done before we got saved. A lot of folk think all I've got to do is get saved, and that's it. No, that's just the beginning. Because you became a new creature, you want others to see your light shining in a new direction, a new way, a new focus. They'll see your effort is going towards the church and the kingdom of God and not towards self. And they'll begin to glorify God. They might even say, Boy, I'd like to be like Brother Hard. That'd be a good example to follow. I'll just be honest with you. Boy, I didn't get the half of these notes I wrote down. But that's all right, isn't it? Isn't it funny that you might hang on your own gallows? Isn't it funny that what we do in this world may condemn us? Oh, he was happy. He was boasting, wasn't he? Oh, I've been allowed in the king's court. I found favor with him. Mm. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, how close are you tonight? And where do you need to be? Because I know the word of God teaches me we've all sinned and come short. Every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Maybe there's something in your life you just want to come check up on tonight. No great big fanfare in here tonight, just an opportunity to get right with God. To repent of your sins and your shortcomings. And to say, God, I want to be available. Lord, I sure don't want to go down to Lodi Bar. I don't want to get out of the house of God. I don't want to be put in the lion's den. I don't want to have to face the fire. But Lord, let me be a Christian. Let me be named among my brethren as one that loves God. Father, help us all here tonight to realize and to understand God that he has a desire to use us. We have a place in the kingdom. Yes, we do, because our name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But we have a purpose here. They've heard me read the Purpose Driven Declaration, Lord, and I hope they remember some of the words in it. 
I won't back up. I won't back out. I won't back off. I won't backslide. God help us to be true. Lord help us to stand faithful to the end. God let us realize that God really does want to use us in his kingdom here and hereafter also in praise and glory. Touch them, Lord, I pray, everyone. Take my feeble efforts, Lord, to preach here tonight this word. And God, let them find a lodging place in their heart that they might not sin against thee. Let us grow in the grace and the knowledge, Father. Let us understand, God, tonight, you have a purpose for every one of us. So your blessings, I pray, upon my people here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.